coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. And we were doing it for this company and the president is announcing, you know, in front of the whole company, just how awesome this is gonna be and how it's gonna be a revenue generator. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, there's no marketing behind this. Like, I don't, like you were talking about earlier, like if nobody knows it's there, how is that gonna work? After years of teaching business and entrepreneurship, I found that when guest speakers revealed the hardships and mistakes made throughout their professional and personal lives, it resonated with my students. That's when I thought, why not share these stories so that other entrepreneurs have access to the same insights for education and inspiration. I'm Kazmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. On this episode, we speak with Deanna Kidd, co-founder of Nomad Digital Marketing. Nomad specializes in helping clients drive and convert internet traffic into inbound leads. Deanna is constantly evolving herself and her business. With over 20 years experience in internet technology and digital marketing, she's learned that consistently testing new creative ideas and focusing on quality service is a recipe for success. I've got a lot to ask just based on that, but number one, the fact that your, your company's in its 15th year is a, a lot to say. I mean, the, the percentage of companies that even make it through their first year, let alone five and 10 years is something. But tell me a little bit, uh, your, your company does all things digital at this point, just with, with how to drive traffic, how to get people's attention. And it relates to advertising, but a lot of people think advertising marketing is all the sexy creating commercials and pictures and all that, but actually making it accessible to where people can find it is, is a science and practice all of its own. It's where you found success. Where do you start from to end up saying, this is the space I want to be in? Where, do I, where did I start from? Yeah, so, so tell me a little bit about your background before you started Nomad. So I've, I've worked with startups throughout my career. My background, I come from a background as an open source programmer, and that's where I started. I, I was doing, I've always done kind of like side gigs. I did like music for a while, and then I got a job as a, a really I was just fixing computers, and then I started programming. And, and so I came from that background, and I always worked with startups on how to build platforms to do sales or to do some sort of analysis that they would sell, so basically programming. And then I got into um, building websites as a side gig, and that's how I started my first business, just a tax shelter for the freelance work. Um, and then I went from that to, um, you know, doing web applications. We, we were the company many, many years ago when we started. We were the company that you called to connect your warehouse to your Great Plains accounting software. You know, we reduced errors. And then we got into website design, and then we got into marketing, because at the time, a lot of people were just making stuff up about internet marketing. Mm -hmm. And we were very test-driven, um, and, and we understood how technology worked. We were talking earlier about side hustles on, on side projects. What is the original inception of Nomad that says, okay, this is, uh, this is, a, little, this is a side hustle that's become its own company? Actually, so to, to back up a little bit, I had my own company before I merged in with Nomad. So Nomad was my business partner's company, um, and I had my own business prior to that. Um, so basically I was working for someone else, I started taking on freelance jobs. 
Um, and then I kept adding more and more clients like that. And eventually, I, I can remember when I did this, I was actually in a blizzard in New York, signed my first client. And that was under my first company. Yeah. And then um, I worked under that business structure for a while. And then I met William, my business partner now. We wanted to build something bigger than ourselves. We were looking at building a new company together. You know, We were gonna basically merge our businesses and we kept looking for names and I loved the name that he already had, Nomad. Right. So we just kept that name. Um, and it's K-N-O-W-M-A-D, and it really um, speaks to knowledge workers. And that's yeah, really... That's the first thing I thought was knowledge when I see it. Yeah, so that's kind of our background. You know, always the, the vision at the time was you would be able to travel anywhere and do your work anywhere. But we found that Charlotte was a really great place to be. I mean, it's just so easy to do business here. So at that point when you merge your, your company, what is the focus of the new inception of Nomad, which is you and your partner, William? At that time, it was open source web applications. Okay. And so we used PHP, Perl. Perl doesn't practically exist anymore. Um, but we used those languages in order to do automation and integration for clients and build web applications. And then we got into um, web design from that point because we were doing the back end office connections. And then we got into the front end of web design just because clients needed that. There, there was a point to where I remember we did a project and we spent about 400 and some hours on this project. It was, I don't know, 12, 15 conference websites and we were doing it for this company and the president is announcing, you know, in front of the whole company just how awesome this is going to be and how it's going to be a revenue generator. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, there's no marketing behind this. Like, I don't... Like you were talking about earlier, like if nobody knows it's there, how is that going to work? And it was a really pivotal moment where I thought, we need marketing. We either need a partner or we're going to have to come up with this ourselves. Yeah. And then we started talking to marketing partners. And as I started talking to them, I realized they could come up with really great ideas, but they didn't really understand how the internet worked. Mm -hmm. And those ideas really didn't have legs. So they were very expensive to come up with and they really wouldn't get you anywhere. And so that's how we got into internet marketing. So with that, and this is kind of the whole point, is you can have the next best idea, but if it's poorly implemented, yes, uh, or, or sometimes these programs or websites are created and just they still get lost. Because, you know, uh, if I open up a pizza shop on this corner, I might be the only pizza corner on this shop. I'm one of a thousand in Charlotte. But if I do that on the internet, I'm one of them. A billion. <laughs> you wanted to focus on the, the internet advertising, but again, how do you start bringing on clientele that, again, there, there's a, a vast understanding that advertising and marketing is ads, printouts, you know. It's a very, that's a very different market than what we play in. Okay. So you've got big advertising houses and they do those big shiny commercials and they win awards and you know, you're talking BBDO, like that, that kind of New York agency, right. et cetera. And you have smaller versions of that too, right. but that's more of, um, let's figure out how to, it's more interruptive. So another change that happened in our business in about 2009, we started getting into online lead generation. And the goal was to help our clients use the internet to drive traffic and convert that into leads. That is very different than creating brand awareness through advertising, through publications, or through um, you know television commercials, or however else you want to do that.
while there is, we, we do a, a lot of the public associates the uh, advertising and marketing with, hey, look at me, hey, look at me, you were going in the background saying, hey, let's find people who actually would like to hear what we have to say and we can add that service. So let's let's not waste anybody's time here. The key to it is that people are already searching online. They're looking for the answers to problems. And so if we help our clients position themselves as the solution to that problem, and they have content that's compelling and useful, and then they're going to become preferred, right? It works really well with branding. It's not mutually exclusive. When you have very compelling content online, it's very useful, it's engaging, then you're going to become a preferred go-to place for your buyers, and they're more likely to buy from you than somewhere else. You take a look at it is, uh we're going to drive traffic, we're going to tell everybody where you're at and what you do, can do for them. Do you, how do you balance that when you've directed everyone but they execute poorly? Or how do you identify if they're ready to execute the traffic you're going to drive? No, that's a great question. So for some small businesses, it's really simple. What I do is I pick up the phone and I call their sales line and I see if they answer. If it goes to voicemail, then we have that conversation. Like you're, you're not, we, we can't make your phone ring if you're not gonna answer it. Like that doesn't make sense. But most companies we work with are, are mid-market, so they don't have that problem at all. And they actually dedicate someone to the web leads that come in, or they have a, a system in place that routes those calls appropriately. The other thing is we don't want people coming in to go into the phone tree. Uh -huh. So that's another dead end. We want that phone to actually be answered. You know, worst case, I do have a partner that actually handles inbound calls, so we could engage them to answer the calls for the client. Okay. So, but usually they dedicate somebody. So no, because that one of the worst things could be is if uh, my goal was for you to drive 10,000 people to my business, and you overachieve and do a million. If I can't fulfill that, all I'm going to do is uh, undo the work you've done and probably create some bad sort of. Uh, <laughs> brand perception of what my company delivers. Yeah, so. and, and we've had that challenge sometimes where we have over-delivered and it, it revealed the cracks in the system, if you will. If we're monitoring that and having that really candid conversation um, about how this is working for your business and where we're seeing the challenges, where you're seeing the challenges, then jointly we can figure out how to solve that. Even let's like look back at the last five years and maybe what you fear or challenges you see going forward, What's happening in that landscape? Right now the biggest thing is privacy. And that's been something that's been talked about for years. But just recently, a few months ago, GDPR, uh, it's a general data privacy regulation, took effect in the EU. And that impact in the EU, well, that, that happening in the EU impacted the rest of the world. So uh, many of my clients work in you know, states or countries that are, are part of the EU or have concerns around that, and we had to go through an implementation of processes and documentation in order to support this, this regulation. Um, so there are those things going on. There's, um, you know, Facebook is changing. We don't, we don't rely heavily on Facebook marketing, um, but we do use it, and it's becoming less and less effective um, just because of the changes they're having to make, you know, with the the, the fake news, the political stuff that's going on, right. they're changing the way that, that information gets delivered on their platform. 
you know, Google Ads just changed. It went from AdWords to Ads. The interface has changed. I mean, it's changing for us. It's changing all the time. Every couple of months, something changes. Um, it might be the algorithm. It might be the interface. It might be the service. Uh, it might be a new uh, social media platform. Um, any number of things. And how do you keep up with that more than your competitor? Because the question is, they know how to handle the next change in the algorithm two days or two months before you. How do you stay competitive? Uh, how do you stay on top of those issues to make sure that you're, you're on point? So there are a couple of things. One, we do good marketing. We don't manipulate systems. We don't, that's where a lot of people run into algorithm issues, is they're like trying to play a game. They're trying to manipulate the system. What we're doing is really good content. Um, we really focus on servicing the end reader. And so if you're doing that, if you're doing good marketing, typically those systems will reward you. The other piece of that is having the right partnerships in place. And that's, that is where I spend um, quite a bit of my time. Um, I spend it in a lot of places, I wear a lot of hats, but one of them is developing partnerships. Um, so we are partnered with Google, so we get updates from them, um, whatever they want to share. Um, but they'll help us with certain things. We have um, um, support with them that's very different than what your average user or even company has because we're an agency. And we have HubSpot that we work with, so we get um, previews of, you know, we do a lot of work on HubSpot. We use that as our, our, our lead management platform. Yeah. And so we get updates from them before they launch new features. Um, we get, again, support unlike other people get because we're an agency and we have a lot of clients on that platform. In this industry, if you're not constantly teaching yourself, then you're gonna be behind. You can't wait for someone to give you the answer. You've got to seek it out. You mentioned that the advertising is very focused, that you do a better job, you provide a better service of making sure you're getting the message in front of the people that count, the, the actual potential customers, and which really backs up a step to the strategy of knowing who your customer is and how you're going to execute. So my question based on that is for you to be successful there, their strategy has to be well thought out, well planned and well executed. And you're just the extension of that. How many times have you done or, or give examples and you don't have to name anyone. Have you done your part, but their strategy is poorly formed? <laughs> to where you're getting them in front of the people they thought they wanted, but it really truly doesn't align with what their strategy is. Yeah, this happened more than... I would imagine that probably happens more than it actually... But that happens and also you get in front of the right people and then you find out there's something about the offer that's not correct. Like um, one time we were doing uh, a certain product and the pricing was off. Like it turned out their pricing was three times the market. Um, and so that research wasn't accurate, or you get in front of the right customer, but they're not converting for some reason. Maybe you're not competitive in the market for some reason. And you really just have to kind of dig in. And this, this comes out a lot when we're doing our, our testing. So we're, we're launching a campaign and then we're monitoring it and we're doing certain tests to see what influences behaviors. There's a lot of psychology behind it. Yeah. And then you, know, you begin with the targeting, like you're mentioning. And if that targeting is off, like I just ran a sales campaign for us 
And I thought that this particular segment of the healthcare market would be really good. Well, as I ran that campaign, I realized, no, it's not really. Because that segment of that market, they just really want a really cheap solution, check the box, I don't really want to have to deal with it. They're not really looking to grow their business. Um, And there's a lot of gatekeepers and it's a lot of hard work to get through to them. And they're not really searching online, they're just asking their, their buddy you know, another person in the healthcare industry, what, who are, who are you and I'll just use them. Yeah. Because it's, there's not a lot of emphasis on it. So even in our own sales and marketing campaign, you know, I need to do that kind of testing, that kind of segment testing to figure out what is a good fit. Yeah. And we're continually, like I've been running that for the past three months mm-hmm. and I'll continue running that and just going through segment by segment by segment. Yeah. Um, and that's, how I'm developing our strategy to make sure that when then when I do an internet marketing campaign, let's say I'm going to pay for actually advertising. It's not inexpensive in our industry. Everything I, I run into, I hear so much of, what do you do? I do strategy. Oh, I do strategy and it's accountants and it's systems people. And, and the word strategy gets thrown around so much and they're like, oh, we're going to market. That's our strategy. That is not that a strategy. That is not a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Accounting? I call it capital M marketing. Yeah. So there's like lowercase m, which is the tactical stuff. You know, you run a pay-per-click ad, you do Facebook, you, you know, whatever it is you do. You, you build a website. That's kind of, that's the tactical stuff. But if you don't have that capital M strategy, like the stuff you would from like my queen's marketing class. You know, that's right. the strategy of targeting a market and knowing what the benefit is and how you compare to your competitor. If you don't have that information, right. then you're gonna spend an awful lot of money on the lower case in marketing. Yeah. And you may or may not get anywhere. And that's just a roll of the dice. Yes. You win or you don't win. Yeah. So. And there are times where like we've done that for people and oh, it just blew up and we had no idea. And there are other times where it just completely failed, but it was because the strategy wasn't clear, wasn't really researched. Yeah. Um, and you might get a win. You hear these stories where people are like, oh, you know, zero to 60 in three seconds. Like, oh, you know, yeah. I made millions of dollars. That is the very rare story. I don't want to call them failures because, to be quite honest, we've all had them. Yeah, and you learn from it. But yeah, you, you go through 10, 20, 100 of those before you get that one success. In one of the other interviews, we were talking about overnight success, and it's just that overnight lasted 20 years. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. And they fail to mention the all the other times that, you know, what it was like to go through getting right. to that overnight success. Right, yeah, we don't talk about the sleepless nights, the not being able to eat. Uh, how do I make payroll? Yeah. Yeah, how do I keep my commitments? Right. How, doing the right thing, should I give up? Should I keep going? I yeah. mean, there, there are all those moments. Yeah, not paying yourself so you can make sure you pay your employees. And, and decisions that they're hard to make and you do them for the right reasons and sometimes they feel wrong because <laughs> you're the one suffering for it. So as the technology changes and kind of where you come along, where do you see it going in the future? What do you need to be prepared for as the, so you mentioned regulation may play a bigger role uh, in, in the next coming years. Is there any changes in technology that? Yeah, definitely voice search. Like that's what we're going through right now as well is, um, you know, when you do voice search, there's only one result. Alexa doesn't list off 15 different results. 
<clears throat> you get one result when you ask for it. So we're going to compete for Alexa's attention? We're going to compete for Alexa, Siri, yeah. any of these voice assistants, and uh -huh. more and more stuff is becoming voice activated. Uh -huh. So to be that resource is going to take a lot more work. Um, also, it's just getting more competitive as more and more companies, you know, we, we use the inbound methodology. You'll, you'll hear about it if you Google a little bit online. Um, but it's the idea that you, you become that resource, you build great content, and you kind of build that warehouse on your website, if you will. And if your competitors have spent a lot more time and a lot more money doing that, and you were late to the game, that's going to be a lot harder to compete. It's going to make it a lot harder to compete in that space. But there are other things like um, AI, a, you know, virtual reality, and I can't even, I don't even know where we're going there. What areas or industries do you think are vastly underutilizing digital marketing? Definitely not e-commerce. They're using it a lot. Um, but I would say more traditional um, companies. They're embracing it more and more. But like manufacturers, you know, we're we're helping a lot of them make them move from um, old school digital to modern digital. I'm sure you've had your dark days where you're ready to hang it up or you spoke to the wrong person and just said, screw this, <laughs> I'm done. Your first example was, you know, that that first client you got in the blizzard in New York, in Buffalo, I believe. Actually, it was it was uh, New York City. New York City. What are some of those, give me another example of the, that win that made you keep doing it over I, You know, sometimes it's been when a client really, you know, just the numbers just get blown out and you're like oh my god this is awesome this is why I do this like I created this plan and we executed on it and look at that it's incredible um, and it really excites me when they're able to buy a new building hire new people you know you see them growing because of the relationship that they have with you many of our clients stay with us for many years like eight nine ten years the industry average is two so that, that's pretty amazing you know, there have been some years where we have just been growing like gangbusters. This is one of them. You know, we're having a fantastic year. This past year, I launched, year before last, I launched a service, and now it's 26% of our revenue. And that gets me really excited. I love yeah. doing that kind of stuff. And that's the thing uh, with the entrepreneurs. Once that's stable and up and running, you're bored. Yes, and, you're and then you're ready to do the next thing. Right. Yeah. So, no, and it's a common thing theme amongst entrepreneurs. Uh, in, in doing so, we were talking about how when you're running your own business, especially at the beginning, that uh, sometimes you feel you're all alone on an island. And I was sharing with you examples of uh, entrepreneurs that were like, hey, we want to help you. And I, it was just a foreign feeling. Why would, you know, obviously they're, they're trying to sell me something, but they really, other entrepreneurs want to see other entrepreneurs succeed and they're willing to help any which way they can, whether it's introductions, networking, resources. Do you have any examples of that? I'd had a client that became a mentor for me and then after we were no longer working together, she's still a really great friend. And I'll call her anytime I need something, she calls me because um, I'm a sounding board for her as well. Uh, I've got someone that recently offered to mentor me and I was like, sure like I don't know how to do a mentorship like I've never it's never been official yeah um, and then I just realized he just wants to help me so let's just meet let's just talk um, yeah I've had a lot of experiences like that I recently had coffee with someone that I met because they were doing some market research very smart of them and since I'm in the HubSpot world and they're launching something for HubSpot they called me in to talk to me about it 
And I ended up having coffee later with that guy and we spent two hours talking about the sales and marketing campaign I'm working on and what he's doing. And so I was able, I mean, he offered me ideas of how I could run this campaign a little bit differently, you know, how he's doing it for his business and, you know, how that might work for me. So now my commitment is, and that's the thing about entrepreneurs, we're good at commitments, right? Right. Yeah, we make a lot of them, but we also keep them. So right. like for him, I've made a commitment that I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z and come back and talk to him about how that worked out. Yeah. And to have that kind of sounding board is phenomenal. As we're wrapping this up, my question would be is, uh, where is uh, Diona in five years? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm working on now. Right. So, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm always stuck between now and the future. Yep. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on things now and I know that things will come out of that, that will influence my decision making and my planning. But, you know, I'm also looking ahead at like, what do I want? Where do I want to take my company? Where do I want to take the people that have invested with us? You know, uh, their time, their money, their whatever. And where do I want to be? And that's something that continues to change as I mature and change and the company changes with me. So thank you so much for participating. Um, if anybody listening or watching wants to find out more about Nomad, where can they find out about you? Yeah, just go to nomad.com, K-N-O-W-M-A-D.com. All right, thank you very much. Thanks. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Education or visit influencingentrepreneurs.com to catch up on previous episodes with Casimir Ward.